Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Presumably, the hopes and expectations that ensued 11 contests characterized by nail-biting and close calls would have inoculated us from the ignominy of a performance that marked the nadir for Steeler playoff futility. It did not. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's January 11th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost here to revisit, against our wills, a 48-37 to loss to the Cleveland Browns in the first round of the playoffs. Burn it all down. Fire everybody. Trade up. Draft Trevor Lawrence. We want... Russ Grimm as the coach of the Steelers. Burn it down. The Steelers have suffered yet another embarrassing, humiliating, really, early playoff exit at the hands of a heavy underdog, a team that didn't even have a coach. Steeler, basically, the story of the game is the Steelers go down 28-0 against the Cleveland Browns. 28-0 in the first quarter. Worst start in the history of the Steelers, who have been a team since the 1930s. Somehow... They claw back, uh, thanks to Ben Roethlisberger, who had a big hand in, of course, putting him in that 28-0 hole. But somehow he brings them back, and then they blow it in the end. And so here we sit, Monday morning, salary cap issues looming big time for the Steelers. Not a lot of flexibility uh, that can help them solve some of their issues. And the entire Steelers' uh, future is murky, and I feel like we should be shocked, but honestly... You could probably bet heavy money that the Steelers are going to lose whenever they play a, a, an underdog in the playoffs, and you can take that bet that bet online. Football is almost done. The Steelers season, done. But maybe you can take some prop bets on what kind of moves the Steelers are going to make. Is Benny coming back next year, riding off into the sunset with a little bit of a better taste in your mouth or not? Bet online has game spreads, totals, team, player, and coaching props that really are unparalleled in the business. So head to BetOnline today and use the promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, ching your online sports book experts. What's that philosophy you keep reading about? Stoicism. It's the, the real quick intro. You know, it, it's about uh, the world is, your life is not about what happens to you. It's about how you react to the chaos around you. So... In addition to the cold shower I take every morning to be stoic, I'm going to take us through a little stoicism by revisiting that game that happened yesterday, even though we don't want to. And it was, it took 
a good 24 hours. Well, it's not quite 24 hours for us to even do this podcast. It's not really the morning, people. <laughs> but starting with the pouncy snap over Ben's head, Whew. the PSTD that uh, I know it wasn't the Steelers, but watching Peyton Manning, watch the same thing happen to Peyton Manning came flooding back to me. Eerie, eerie. Yeah, that's how the game starts. Pouncy snaps it over Ben's head, and you knew that you were in for one. But, you know, you can just come back and even get a field goal on the next drive. As you said, once he snapped it over his head, and I told you, we're going to open the podcast with this, aren't we? I'm a little bit nervous. But you said, hey, we get the ball back. And you can go down and score a field goal or at least get a couple first downs and get some better field position. Nope. The offensive line lets every single Cleveland Browns player through the line of scrimmage. Ben Roethlisberger does not handle it well and lobs the ball into Cleveland Browns' hands. They score again, get the ball back, Ben throws it to Cleveland again. Then Cleveland gets the ball back, run all the way over the Steelers' defense, who is basically letting up 10 yards a carry in that first half, and the Steelers find themselves down 28-0. to Defense shell-shocked like they just, you know, they're Normandy. Offense scared thinking we all got to retire simultaneously. Even Claypool's got to retire. He's thinking this isn't going well. But somehow, Ben realizes he has nothing to lose. Stop me if you've heard this story before. Stop me if you heard this story two weeks ago against the Colts. And just starts slinging it. Ends the game with 501 yards passing. The one silver lining is now he extends his record of the most 500-yard games in history of the NFL. He was uh, one over Tom Brady, and now he's two over Tom Brady. He's got four total. Wills the team back into it. But then the magic runs out a little bit. Tomlin lives in his fear, punts the ball on fourth and one multiple occasions when the Steelers pull within 12 points with 12 minutes left in the game. He blinks. Uh, you'd cut your eyelids off. Well, he grew some new eyelids. He blinked quite a few times. Maybe a little pee-pee in the pants as well. Punts it to the Browns. The defense chokes. I mean, the defense didn't do anything right, and the, and the Steelers lose the game. So that's basically the flow. I mean, it didn't even look like they could make it back into the game. They made a run, and then it was just too little too late. And all I can think at the end of this game is, how many times have we seen this movie? How many times have we seen the, the 2020 version, which has its own little quirks of you know, non-aggressive offense and scared play calling? And how many times have we seen this movie of the you know, Tomlin and Ben era of we're going to get to the playoffs, and if we fail to get an emotional edge within the first quarter, we're going to get blown out of the building and disappoint everybody. And I just have to think, why are we surprised? And I guess I come to the conclusion that I'm not surprised. I'm just a little depressed, but feels like some changes need to happen going forward here. Let's go into that cold shower of evidence of past playoff futility. I think you did a nice listing here of the last few years. Yeah, Derek DeKid posted, that's our homie over there, a fellow Ben acolyte. Thank you, D. And great uh, Steelers analysis over there. He had a nice tweet uh, putting these playoff scores up. You want to do the honors? Oh, I will. I shall. Well, I can probably do it off the top of my head. Sorry, I thought you were getting that list ready yourself. But basically, what happened is, albeit, you know, with some uh, interceptions, return for touchdowns, so on and so forth, here are the scores of the recent Steelers playoff games. 48 points given up to Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns with no head coach and three of their best players missing in a night game 
at Heinz Field in the playoffs. 48 points. You remember what the last playoff game was before this? Jacksonville. The worst day of my life. You would think, oh my God, I thought that was forever ago. They haven't made it to the playoffs since. Nope. And what did they do that day? They gave up 45 points to a guy who's not even a quarterback. Blake Bortles and the Jaguars run the Steelers out of the building. And basically... A carbon copy of the game we watched last night. Ben starts out really shaky, throwing interceptions. Then he absolutely lights himself on fire, slings the ball all over the place for 500 yards, which he did against the Jaguars as well. They just didn't count some of the yardage because some of them were laterals as he was running uh, through meadows of killer Jaguars defenders, throwing the ball to Le'Veon Bell, you know, 10 yards past line of scrimmage. But same game, and then the defense just chokes it away in the end. And, of course, it makes it hard to overcome, you know, Tons of turnovers like he had in both games. The game before that, the Patriots game in the playoffs. 36 points to Tom Brady, and it really should have been 68 if the Patriots didn't take their, their, their foot off the gas. And just in all three of those games, the Steelers are down basically 20 points in the first quarter. Not the first half, the first quarter. So this happens every time. And then, you know, obviously before that, you had the loss to one arm Peyton when the Steelers were really injured. Before that, you give up 30 points to Joe Flacco in a flaccid Ravens offense when Le'Veon didn't play. And before that is when I think that this all started, 2012, you give up 29 points to Tim Tebow, another, the, the other worst quarterback. The two worst quarterbacks of the entire 21st century have beaten the Steelers in playoff games when the Steelers come out flat. And yes, they had a ton of injuries in that Tebow game. Everybody forgets that. Those 10-plus starters were out. But this is not a trend. This has become a tradition in Pittsburgh, collapsing at the end of the year. We hadn't talked about this, so I'm sorry if this breaks with your your game themes. But what, if any, effect do you think that the empty stadium had on the Steelers? Did it did it sort of add to the lackluster showing of the Steelers? So sort of like them showing up so flat. It, it had all the effect in the world, and that's my issue. Is let's talk about Tomlin for a second. He is almost unparalleled as a leader, as a motivator. And if you want to get more specific, as an identifier and developer of talent, you know, there's a reason why they say, oh, the Steelers can draft a wide receiver in any round and they'll be a great wide receiver. Well, they also say that about Steelers linebackers, right? And for a little while here in this era, they said it about Steelers offensive linemen. And yeah, maybe Ben actually has a lot more to do with that than you think. But Mike Tomlin makes great finds and makes great players and everybody knows about his leadership skills now people love him so he has that down i don't think that's arguable you can't just say tomlin's a crappy coach but he is bottom of the barrel when it comes to strategy the x's and o's are miserable warren sharp great football uh, analyst you know big time analytics guy is constantly posting very helpful very depressing videos on twitter of how many times the steelers cover number one receivers like Jarvis Landry and Keenan Allen with linebackers. How many times over the past two weeks were Spillane and Avery Williamson matched up on Jarvis Landry in the slot? Because when the Steelers play base defense, that's just what they do. That's how that, and, and Jarvis Landry and Keenan Allen have talked about this in post-game interviews. You played the Browns last week, and they did this, and they did it again. So, And then, of course, we know about the offensive struggles. So... The, going back to the no, no fans in the stadium thing, Mike Tomlin, his teams are emotional, and Ben plays emotional. Quarterbacks like Breeze and Brady 
Yes, they're more centered guys. They spend more time preparing their bodies and their minds, but they also have coaches who make opponent-specific game plans. You know, if they're playing the Browns with a bunch of injured secondary members, it doesn't matter if New England or the, the Saints ran for 200 yards against some team last week. They say, oh, the Browns don't have a good secondary. Well, screw what we did last week. Let's attack their weakness. The Steelers don't do that. They just come out and say, we're going to play big boy football. And they've even said this, you know, in interviews, basically. We are going to impose our will on them. It's not about what other teams are doing. It's about what we're doing. And that's just objectively wrong. Or it's just a risky way to play. I mean, how many times in the 13-3 and year, the Jacksonville Jaguars last year, the Steelers won three games when they got the ball back down by three or down by two or one or whatever it was with less than a minute left and Ben Roethlisberger would scramble and throw a dime into triple coverage 40 yards down the field to Antonio Brown who would make a toe-touching catch. Like, miracles to end games. But just when you rely so much on that athletic superiority and that emotional uh, edge and you don't get that emotional edge – you go down sinking, and now Ben is probably a little bit too old to consistently erupt that way. So, yeah, I think not having the fans really hurt them, and I think that the fact that they have to rely on that is a problem going forward, and I think it's kind of run its course that way. Not as Tomlin's career, but just that strategy, you know? As I hear you describe this, the word that comes to mind is dogmatism, and it stems not just yep. to Randy Feetner, but it goes back to Todd Haley. Remember when the red zone was impenetrable to us? Yes. We could get there. But we kept doing the same thing. And that seems like this, uh, what the current state of the offense is. It's the same thing. We're going to do it our way. And it's almost like ego. Yeah. And I do worry, you know, I spent, I don't think Ben's going to retire, honestly. He, he said he's going to think about it with his family, but he kind of seemed pretty adamant. He said, I would love to come back if the Steelers, I have one more year in the contract, I'll honor it. Were you going to say something? Yeah, he had 500 yards and four touchdowns. Of course he's going to take some responsibility for this game, but he still knows what he's capable of. Do you think – I don't think he shuts it down yet. No, he's kind of been consistent the whole year. I don't even think we want to. We're going to get into this later, but I I don't even think it's desirable. But let's let's leave it in. Go go for it real quick because I think people want to hear your opinion on that. I think we have way too many – I think Ben is – way above the line if he has the right cast surrounding him. And that's what we need to focus on first because we've talked about this. There's no quarterback waiting in the wings unless one of these veterans come, shakes loose. And given the salary cap situation, I think that is not the place. I would not focus on quarterback. I'd bring back Ben, pay him. Hopefully he's not going to ask for another extension right. and at least use him for the last year. It's probably the best idea because what you said about the salary cap, they, they have no flexibility. Even if Stafford comes available and he doesn't go to any of the like 12 other teams who are going to want him, the Steelers might not even be able to. And yeah, Ben's not washed up. He's just, he can't carry the team like he used to. And that's the strategy they're using. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, my obsession and absolute adoration for Ben is, is well documented. And I love him for the reasons, like we said last night, even when we're down 28-0, I still don't turn off the game partially because I'm ill, I'm mentally ill and I have an issue and this is a disorder, but also because I know like, well, once again, we talk about, we've seen this movie a bunch of times. Well, he did come back against the Jaguars. And then two, three games later, which was, you know, the next season, they played Mahomes in Mahomes' third game and they went up 21-0 in the first quarter. He did come back against the, the, the Chiefs. And so, like, I knew that there was a possibility and he brought them back. So, yeah, he can still play. 
and when you I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I think that, you know, hey, look, they're they're going to they're going to lose a lot. But if you don't have any moves to make anyways next year, you can still keep him for one more year and then he retires and then you get that money off of the books or whatever. Him getting 19 million dollars off of the salary cap for next year. You know that tweet's going around a lot. He's, he makes forty-one million next year, but really, it's only nineteen million of, of cap relief if you don't have him next year. It's not going to put you. That's Stafford's not playing for nineteen million, right? Deshaun Watson, you're not getting him. So, of course, he thinks he can still play because he can. But yeah, he's in that phase that you mentioned where you need a really strong supporting cast. Whereas before, he could you know make up for some of those deficiencies. Yeah, the, the big question is, can you put enough of that supporting cast together? I'm not worried about the wide receivers. They'll have another year of seasoning, but it's that offensive line. And that's not going to come together in four or five months. So, listen, we, we had a positivity podcast on Christmas. There are things to look forward. Uh, you know, this roster, there's a ton of young talent. And we'll talk at the end of this podcast about what we think they could do or what they will do going forward. But I think, um, you know, just wrapping up that, that, that first theme we're talking about, this is more of the same. This is the same movie. They keep trying to rely on a lack of strategy and just being big boys, big boys, and the NFL has changed. You know, it's all this strategy. It's, it's um, using analytics more, not being dogmatic about those either. But you have to make game plan specific or opponent-specific game plans, and the Steelers don't have the killer bees anymore, and Ben's not 35, so you can't just roll them out there and think, like, he might just dominate his way there. He'll just throw it to A.B. enough times, and Pouncey and Villanueva will hold guys off, and they'll give him time. The, the time ran out on that strategy. So you, you want to see them move forward. I'll say the last theme of when you look at this game and you look at this year, it is this year they played scared. The team is scared. There's a so once again it's a lame offensive game plan. They came out and I tweeted about this a number of times in the days leading up to the game. I just had a feeling, despite Mason Rudolph's success throwing the ball far down the field, you're not they're not going to change. You're gonna they're going to come out and they're going to run the ball a little bit. They're going to get cute. They're going to run slants and they're going to run drags. Because if they didn't change after the Washington loss or the Bills loss and especially after the Bengals loss, then they're not going to change now. And I think that falls on three guys. It really is a three-headed monster of Ben, Tomlin, and Randy. And whether Ben's not confident, you know, as, as Mason is throwing the ball deep, if Ben's gun-shy, which it sort of looks like he is in the beginning of these games when the pressure gets to him, and yeah, the blocking sucks, but he kind of freaks out and throws it to the other team. And then when he forgets, that he can get hurt, and he's like, well, I don't want to get embarrassed on national TV. He throws for 500 yards in the playoffs, only the second quarterback ever to do it. But they come out lame, and it just makes no sense because the proof of concept is there. Yes, I know that Cleveland was playing some prevent, but 500 yards is domination. 37 to 10 or whatever it was in the second half is, is domination, and they didn't come out doing that. I don't know if scared's the way I... I mean, it, it's, it's a good way to describe it in some ways during a play. But the offensive game plan, rather than scared, I might characterize it as playing not to lose. Because if you notice, last week when we played the Browns, there was nothing to lose. Mason was in there. He not only had nothing to lose, but everything to gain by just letting it loose. And he had a, gr- he, he had a great game, right? Yeah. There was, so nobody was holding him back. And then Ben emerges in these games when there's really nothing to lose by yeah. flinging the ball. Yeah, and, and I do 
think now by the end of the year, especially since we saw another quarterback going and playing, the offense did look a little different despite all the terrible situational play calls, which shows the through line. Like, okay, it's not just Ben. Feetner clearly has his imprint on this <laughs> Mason Rudolph game, you know, calling pitches seven yards behind the line of scrimmage and uh, on second and seven doing things that they shouldn't be doing. But you just wonder that if Tomlin had a better coordinator in place or if he himself. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Had a little bit better understanding of offensive strategy somebody could tell Ben, like, or design plays for him to get more open shot plays, you know, early in the game where Ben doesn't have to be the guy who's making the decisions to do this. The other scared thing that I would say is, is Tomlin. He says, don't blink. Well, cut your eyelids off if you blink. Well, somebody glued him back on and they glued them to the bottom of his, starting at the top and they glued them to the bottom because he played with his eyes closed. Let's talk about the punts, right? So first off, there's the field goal that he took to when they were down, what, 30-something to seven, which sort of just seemed at that time, well, maybe it was the right choice because the Steelers had a chance to win the game. But at the time, it sort of seemed like, are you trying to help the box score right now? Because they were on pace to lose by 70. I mean, it was insane. So you could think, is he trying to save the box score? But the real dagger of the game is the Steelers somehow worked their way all the way back from this. They're down by 12 with 12 minutes left in the game. Everything that happened is now irrelevant. 12 points in the fourth quarter for Ben Roth. Like it, it's, it's just officially a game now. And they get fourth and one from their own 47 yard line and they punt it. And at the time I did understand punting it because the, 
defense had just forced a three and out or maybe two three and outs in a row. And you're thinking, well, if our punter can pin them inside the 10, which he didn't, Barry, of course, kicked it in the end zone. If you can punt them within the 10, the strength of this team is supposed to be the defense, right? TJ Watt, the defensive player of the year is on defense. The most underrated stealer and defensive lineman in this era, Cam Hayward's on the defense. Minka Fitzpatrick's out there. They should be able to stop them. So I understand that. But what did they do? The Browns sliced them up for 10 yards a play, went down and scored in a couple plays. T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, did they even play in the game? I mean, that was the worst game of T.J. Watt's career by, by far. Like, did you just cost yourself defensive player of the year? I don't know. I mean, I hate to say it, but they had zero quarterback hits, Dad. I mean, that is astounding. They had more quarterback hits last, year, last week when those guys were out. So you look at the way that Ben and Pouncey started the game, and you look at how poorly um, Hayward and Watt played. Maybe next time we have the options to sit the starters, you and I change our tune because those guys played like crap, all the guys who sat. So let me just get back to the scary decision to punt on that down. I understand that you want to put your defense out there, but let's just understand the situation in this game. Ben is kind of on fire at that point and unstoppable. I would almost rather take the chance because – if you punt it and the defense stops and they have to get a three and out, which is hard anyways, because they really hadn't done that very much at that point in the game anyway. So look at what's happening in this game. Meanwhile, Ben and the offense are driving at will every time they move the ball. If you can get the first down there, I think that that reward is much greater because then you, it, it's, it, the, the comeback has taken an identity behind this offense that is unstoppable. And it really reminded me of the Tom Brady comeback versus the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Because when the Pats got it back down two scores, that's when you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is interesting. And then when it became apparent that they were going to score, that's when I felt like the game was over. They were still down by seven, but at that point the momentum was so tremendous that Brady just put the nail in the coffin and that's what happened. So I think that that's what you should have recognized in that moment. Don't go to your stupid... I formation crap that's only worked one time this whole season when Derek Watt rushed it the first time in that game. Don't go to that. Go shotgun just and throw four, five, six, seven, ten yards downfield, whatever. But that was an opportunity that Tomlin had to be bold, and it bit him in the ass that he didn't do it. So it just seems like such an obvious opportunity for a coach who constantly preaches to not live in your fears for him to make that decision on top of another punt when he's at the Cleveland 45-yard line and on top of a field goal. I mean, it's not just one or two decisions. It's many, and the Steelers, despite four turnovers and a 28-0 hole, still should have won that game. A lot of people wanted to cut Tomlin down to size on Twitter last night. Well, they wanted to cut him down to size, and maybe he deserved it. And you deserve it too. And I'm not talking about your body. I'm talking about your body hair. Manscaped has got you covered. Listen, people, Christmas is over. Valentine's Day is coming up. If you got a man in your life, if you got a woman in your life, doesn't matter. Manscaped's got you covered. They got the lawnmower 3.0. It's the greatest trimmer ever known to man. It makes it almost impossible to damage the goods while you're down there doing what needs to be done. They also got bombs, anti chafing creams, they got boxers. Leave your junk feeling fresh all day. That's what they say. Get 20% off free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I have to say we're at the end of the season here, and we have a couple more bets to place, but uh, yesterday I nearly drained the entire bank account. 
So we have about fourteen dollars and thirteen cents for the Super Bowl. We got to put it on the Chiefs, don't we? We'll do that at Bet Online. Only a couple games left to bet, people, on football. Now, listen, they'll, get, they'll let you get in the action on the offseason. Maybe we can bet on coach, coach hirings and firings. Doug Peterson's already out in Philadelphia, so the dominoes are falling. Me revealing that news to you lets you realize that it, in fact, is not the morning. It's taking a while to get over this thing. But either way, head to bet online today. Take advantage of that promo code armchair. Bet online. Ching, your online sportsbook experts. So let's take a look going forward. I mean, we're going to do a lot more of this in the offseason because, frankly, we have some time 30 rants. weeks. Yeah, <laughs> we have time to do it. But I think oh, there are man. some questions just hanging in the air. You've been talking about Tomlin. So I feel like this game was a perfect microcosm of the past 10 years, which were by far the most disappointing and, and some of the most fun, honestly, of, of you know, Steelers fandom. And I was, I'm thinking about fans, and I'm thinking nobody has gone through as much pain. Let me, let me phrase it this way. You think that the Browns have gone through pain. That's the narrative. The Browns, the Raiders, the Jets. The Jets are good every once in a while. People got to chill with that. The Lions. That's not pain. That's a bruise. You need to know what a scythe wound is, what that feels like. And only the Steelers, the Saints, and the Packers fans, and soon to be the Saints or the Seahawks fans, only we know this pain. Because when you're bad, the expectations are low, right? You get annoyed. It's a constant latent pain. But when you're good and you know there's a chance to win, the pain is tremendous. And it's not as bad when you lose to the Patriots in the championship with all the killer bees in their prime, knowing that they're all coming back the next year. But it's really bad when you lose to the Jaguars and you realize there might not be any chances left. And it's even worse when you find out that you're going to miss the playoffs for two years in a row and come back for one more ride and get embarrassed. This is real pain. But now we have a, a theme that's developed. You know, these big-time choke jobs that we mentioned in the playoffs at the end of the year with the, with the, with the current Tomlin-Ben administration. And to me, I do want to focus it around Tomlin. Because you get all of these results because of Tomlin's almost random decision-making. Sometimes he goes for two. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he lives in his fear. Sometimes he doesn't. It's all gut. And there's a lot of good to that because that endears him to his players. That lets you get a guy like Bud Dupree, who we all would have cut you know, two years into his career if, if Tomlin didn't stick with him. But if you have strategy to lean back on, if you have better coordinators – you don't have to live and die by emotion. Like you were saying earlier, players should not be publicly looking past opponents. Like Stefan Tuitt did earlier this season. Like Juju did by giving the Browns bulletin board material before this game. And side note on Juju, Juju's the man. There's two players who showed up last night. Real Ben, after bad Ben left the building, and Juju, who caught 13 passes for 157 yards with people hanging all over him and a touchdown. He can grow past those, you know, it's a dumb mistake given the Browns bulletin board material. They all mentioned it, right? You and I have mentioned it. Motivation shouldn't be real for professional athletes. It clearly as hell is. But players shouldn't be doing this. You don't have to live and die by emotion if you have some coordinators who will attack teams with a specific game plan, which, of course, it's not like the Steelers go in there willy-nilly, but uh, compared to other teams, it's, it's miserable, right? 
So going forward, what I would like to see from the team to improve is they need to commit to younger, more innovative coordinators, and they need to modernize their game. Do I think that will happen? Let me tell you, Keith Butler's not going anywhere. If he didn't go anywhere after that loss to the Patriots in the championship game, then he's not going anywhere. Because, by the way, what was his, what was his encore for that? It was the Jaguars' loss, which was solely on the defense because the Steelers would have run them out of the building even with those turnovers early. He's not going anywhere because Tom, I'm really becoming more convinced that Butler is really just whatever the offensive coordinator is in New Orleans. You know, like Sean Payton calls the place. This is a Mike Tomlin defense, and this is a guy who we can work with well, and he's just having to do things. So he's not going anywhere. Randy Feetner might not be going anywhere either. Because Ben's not going to want to commit to a new coordinator. And this is where I think the Roonies and Tomlin should make a bigger stance. of Like, Ben, you're the man. We are trying to help you. Like, they need to get rid of him. But they might not this year. But I think Tomlin is elite for the reasons I mentioned at the top of the podcast. Player development, leadership. He still can relate to these players, even in the new social media age. And I think he's got a lot left in the tank. But this current strategy of just trying to say we're the big, badass Pittsburgh Steelers, it keeps ending the same ways. We're, this, we're the Cowboys light. You know, the Cowboys often lose in the first round. Well, that's what we're doing now. We can get to the dance, but we can't finish, right? We. I'm on the team. I promise. So they need to commit to modernizing a little bit more. And they have done some of those things with, you know, the trades they've made for Hayden and Minka and Bush. And so I do have some hope as far as that goes. I don't know if it's going to happen for this coming season. Another big thing they can do to improve is they got to be brave and cut these veterans. You know, maybe it's a two year process, but there's a big list of people, you know, who could be off the team within the next two years. Of course, you know, Benny, the goat, the God, you would think that this podcast I would have spent here just waxing poetic about my love for him, but I feel like I've done that a couple times already, and I, I don't think that he's going to retire, so there will be more time for that. Uh, he was absolutely heroic in his comeback. Unbelievable. But he helped dig them in the hole, and, that, and that's kind of the old man version, the late 30s version of Ben now. He can, he's going to be inconsistent, right? Clearly, he can still play, like you said. But, you know, Ben, to, what the hell is happening with DeCastro? Villanueva, he's 33 years old. I don't think people realize that. He's older than you'd think. Pa- uh, Pouncey, that whole offensive line is going to get gutted. They do have some young talent in there, but maybe they need an offensive line coach. Hayden's the easiest one to cut this offseason. Love Hayden. But come on, he's got to go. Cam, you know, he's still great, but maybe after next year you cut bait because he's going to decline. He's 32. He's going to decline sooner rather than later. Obviously, they're probably going to have to let Juju walk. Connor goes. Cut Ebron, cut Vance. Legitimately, if you prioritize keeping these young, talented players, you make room for the money for, for TJ. You make room for money for you know, Deontay, hope, hopefully that he pans out that way. You could keep Sutton and Hilton or one of the two. Your defense is loaded. You're just going to have to you know, reload on the defensive line when that time comes in a couple years. But there are moves they can make by being brave and not overly sticking with veterans. I just don't know if it's, how much of that's going to happen this summer. So I don't know how much is honestly going to change with 2021. It seems like the Steelers are more like they're kind of a stay-the-course kind of guy. So I could really see them just trying to run this back with a couple key cuts, maybe the Hayden one or a couple other guys. But um, there are things that the Steelers can do. And yes, it is scary. We know how long it was in between Terry and Ben, but quarterbacks come along much more often now. 
Yeah, I can't go. Uh, so, so one of the things you said, I agree with your sentiment about Mike Tomlin. I'm not sure how much the emotion serves. You said that that sort of a double-edged sword, right? But Bel- Bill Belichick is is the antithesis, right? It's all business, and it's pretty unemotional. And there's something to consistency. And I don't mean a predictable offense. I just mean consistency and decision-making. Once again, there, sh- there should never have been any questions about punting. I mean, maybe there wasn't so much problem with the uh, clock management. But consistency and business-like thinking is is what I think the Steelers need. And to your point, craft your strategy to your opponent. And can I use the word consistency again? Use it. I don't think that you can you can take some of what the Patriots do and model it, but obviously you can't recreate it because you just have Steve jo- you have Einstein as the coach over there. But there are things the things that I would take for them is like, listen, there there are no other teams that are that are like Belichick where they're robots. There, but there are other teams like the Rams or the 49ers, or the Saints are an incredibly emotional team. But it's really about strategy. It's about knowing what you're going to do on fourth and one. It's about identifying other teams' weaknesses and, and analyzing that. And imagine what you could do if you coupled that with the emotion that Tomlin gives. And really, you get the New Orleans Saints at that point. And I know that they haven't won the Super Bowl, but guess what, people? It's almost impossible to win the Super Bowl. So much luck has to come behind it. But yeah, you know, I, I better don't think shots you can I'm I'm not suggesting he can emulate Belichick. What I'm trying to what I'm suggesting is you cut bait with the dogma and yeah. you become more flexible with what you're seeing. I mean there rarely do we see a halftime adjustment unless as you said the sort of the, the emotional floodgates open and Ben goes for broke. Yeah, it's a strategy thing and I think it's just having the right people in the building. I would love to keep Tomlin as the leader and then get some more people to help with the strategy. I don't know how much that's going to happen. I don't know how much Ben's going to be down to make a major change. Like, it takes – look at the Packers. The LaFleur thing in the first year, they went 13-3, and but everyone knew they sucked. It's kind of like – well, anyways, everyone knew they weren't that good, and they got exposed in the, AFC, in the NFC Championship game, and people were saying, oh, Rodgers, he, you know, he might be declining soon. They drafted a freaking quarterback, and then Rodgers explodes in his second year with, in the system. They don't add a single new player, by the way. But they have two years in the LaFleur system, and he explodes. So I don't know if uh, Ben's going to want to make a change like that because he usually does take another year, and he might look at this game and say, I threw for 500. Like, Claypool's going to be much better. Hopefully Deontay is better. We have another shot. So I don't know what's going to happen. But in my mind, there is a lot about this Steelers team that still works. I think generally what Tomlin's doing works. You know, Ben, it's a ticking clock on the greatest athlete that we've ever seen in the history of mankind and ever will see. There's amazing young talent, TJ, Minka, Hilton, Sutton, hopefully Bush. You got Spillane to come up behind uh, Vince. You got Highsmith coming up, Deontay, Claypool, Dotson, you know, Chooks. I don't know how good he's going to be or not, but he started, and, and like this is someone you can rely on. Banner could come back next year. There's a crap load of young talent. The cupboard is not completely bare. So... It's just, but I just think that this story has run its course. I'm just going to go over it one more time. 48 points to Baker Mayfield Browns with no head coach. 45 points to Blake Bortles, not in the NFL anymore. 36 points to Brady. They basically lose in the first quarter of the AFC Championship game to Tom Brady and them. Grant Delavey almost hurt. Tebow, like it just keeps happening over and over again, and, and, and the sample size is gargantuan. So. There need to be some philosophical changes. I don't think it's necessarily gutting and cleaning house, although, you know, maybe, you know. I mean, that's obviously not going to happen this coming year, but 
it was just disappointing. I was pretty catatonic after that first quarter. I'm really happy that Ben and Juju and the guys, you know, Deontay stepped it up eventually, and, and they made some plays down the stretch to keep it a little bit, to keep some dignity. Um, I do think that that's important heading into the next year. But, uh, damn, I'm really tired of watching this movie, and it just feels like they wasted a lot of Ben's prime with this fly-by-the-seat-or-pants strategy, even if he was a part of it. All right, let's close the curtain on this crazy, topsy-turvy, at most of the time, exciting season. Hit us up on Twitter. We're not done yet at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, uh, go Steelers. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.